Today on Peeling the Onion podcast, we are talking about digestion essentials. This is part one of a two-part episode. We'll be talking about the anatomy and physiology of digestion, eating hygiene, constipation, acid reflux, and more. Stay tuned. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Peeling the Onion podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell. Join us in a range of experts as we explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health and talk through ideas for how we can support your wellness journey. Let's jump in and peel the onion. Are you excited? I'm excited. We're talking about one of my favorite things today, digestion. Yes. Poop makes the world go round. Girl, I taught a gut health workshop last night and I'm in, in person and I was like, nice. get ready. We're going to talk about it. Your poo <laughs> makes the world go round. Poop emoji, poop emoji all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I know. Every time I bring this up to our five-year-old daughter, who's you know totally into poop and all the things, I'm like, just remember, earthworms poop dirt. We plant food in that dirt. We therefore, we then eat that food and then we poop it out and animals poop it out and the world just keeps going around and she gets so grossed out. So anyway, I hope we don't gross you out listening to today's episode, but what we are going to dig into dear listener is how important it is that you have healthy digestion. And Cheryl and I have certainly dove deep into our digestion in ways that we never really ever aspire to, but in peeling back our own onions, we had to because the stuff wasn't working right. 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 Well, and I think it's important for us to understand that the gut is our first brain. And so our brain is really our second brain. They have a conversation together. It is um, dynamic and fascinating and so smart. Um, but also that 80% of our immune, around 80% of our immune system is housed in our digestive tract, along with our neurotransmitters, our serotonin, um, so many different things. Um, you know, Hippocrates, um, the quote, all disease begins in the gut, um, really rings true. And so um, on today's part one of our digestion essentials um, podcast, we hope to um you know, help you guys get a little better of the understanding of the anatomy and physiology of digestion. Um, but also, um, tips for good eating hygiene, um, as well as, um, we're going to talk a little bit about constipation and acid reflux, um, to the things that we see often. Um, I know something I see in my own practice, um, but also to very common, um, sort of issues that we see happening, but also stay tuned because we're going to have a part two, of digestion essentials, um, coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, and we're going to get deeper and deeper into the nitty and gritty. So mm-hmm. hang mm-hmm. tight for that one. Yes. It'll be good. Yeah. There's so much to talk about here and there there's, we could just keep going on for hours, but what we're going to try to do is keep this really succinct and, and simple for you to follow along. And just to remember that, you know, we are not, um, your medical professional. We are only here to make sure that you are getting some insights and maybe some light bulbs are going off some quick, you know, basic physiology, um, tips and tricks and, and, and frankly, just a better understanding of your own body and how it works so that you can start to figure out, um, based on your symptoms and, and what's happening where you might need to shift things. And so, 
just keeping that, all that in mind, um, let's actually dive in. We're going to start again at the anatomy and physiology, um, doing a quick lesson. And we want to start at the very beginning of where digestion begins and how it begins. And quite frankly, Cheryl, let's be honest. It starts when we start thinking about food, smelling food. Yes. Touching food, seeing food. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Having a conversation with your grandma that you're coming over to her house. And she's talking about that amazing Mac and cheese that she's going to make for you. That is exactly what starts the ball rolling. And quite frankly, the only we, we don't really feel it. And, and if you're really hungry, maybe your, your tummy is going to growl and grumble and you're going to register like, man, God, I'm listening to this well, to a, a cooking show. And now I'm all of a sudden hungry. Well, there's a really good reason for that. You, there are enzymes in our body that, that are responsible for helping us digest our food, starting in our mouth and and move all the way through the bottom um, of our di- digestive tract through the rectum. And the most important thing that that starts to happen when we see food here, hear food being cooked, touching food is that some of the enzymes and the upper part of our GI, the upper part of our GI is from our stomach up to our mouth. And that way, those enzymes are getting primed and ready for when food arrives and hits our palate and hits, and then eventually hits our stomach that they are ready to go and, and to do its job of processing the food that we've taken in. Um, but we also, we also, you know, tend to overlook one really important aspect of this is that we need our teeth for very good reasons. Indeed we do. <laughs> yes. And so we need them to chew, right, Cheryl, we need, we need a grill. I mean, a good solid grill, a healthy one. A grill, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and I mean like a good toothy pearly, uh, grill, you know, fake or real, whatever you got, whatever you can afford and, and, and make do with. But what's important is that we, our teeth are going to grind up that food and make it into small particles so that once it goes down the esophagus and into our stomach, it's not a, a solid piece of cauliflower or a big chunk of steak that it's unchewed. What we right. really need to be doing is breaking that down. There are enzymes in our mouth that are helping that food to be broken down. Um, and then what, of course, once it hits the stomach, it's going to hit the acid in our stomach and then kill off any bacteria or strange, you know, foreign objects <laughs> that are, that came in on our food. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's a good old adage of a uh, chew your food to applesauce. Mm, applesauce consistency consistency um you know and the stomach and when you what's so amazing about it is you know we have a culture of believing that stomach acid is bad but what we need to keep in mind is the stomach is a sterilization pouch essentially its job is to ward out those foreign invaders like you just mentioned um but the body is smart like let's just go back to the good old principle the body is smart it is made mm-hmm. to fully function um well and optimally um if it's well taken care of and so um you know i know and we'll talk about this a little bit more today but like um you know this idea of like well i have acid reflux i have too much stomach acid and it's like nope actually you don't have enough and we lose that stomach acid also as we age mm-hmm. um 
But again, the stomach acid is important. Um, It helps to break down food further. Um, If you're eating probiotics or taking fermented foods and things, um, those lactic acid microbes and some of the other microbacteria are able to actually survive through that acidic environment uh, because they themselves are acidic, which is uh, sort of fascinating. Um, So yeah, the stomach, so, so, so crucial, like you're saying. Yeah, it is. You know, that our greatest exposure to the outside world in terms of our body and our, you know, exposure to foreign invaders is through our food. When you think about it, I mean, our skin is a barrier, right? And that's important, but we're taking in all sorts of foreign material that goes through a very long tract from our mouth Mm -hmm. all the way out of our rectum. And when you start to unfurl even the intestines, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, I mean, that is basically the same square footage as a tennis court, I mean, let's get real. That is a huge exposure. That's surface area inside of our body coiled up and primed to help us survive. And so, Uh right. So actually, let's actually dive below the stomach now and- Let's let's so now that the the food's been in the stomach, it's created what's called a bolus, and and the the stomach's kind of churned that food and kind of done a, little, a bit of a job of, of massaging it and breaking it down so that it can it can pass through into the small intestine. Um, and so Cheryl, what happens in the small intestine? Can you just break it? Because most people don't even know that we have a small intestine and large intestine. Like, why do we need a small intestine? <laughs> well, the small intestine is a few things. Um, I like to explain the small and large intestine as a big tube or kind of like a donut. And inside of that donut, there's a um, thin membrane um, that is the uh, the gut lining. It is um, insanely important. It's only about one millimeter thick. Um, it's a delicate little beast. Um, that's why we need to take care of our guts. Um, but in the small intestine is primarily responsible for getting the nutrition out of our food. Um, the body is always um, extrapolating. It's always trying to get everything it needs. Um, the head of my school always says you, you don't keep nutrients in your left butt cheek. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, But like, we don't have these extra nutrients sitting around. That's why it's so important. Um, the small intestine really is houses so much. Um, I would say, you know, the stomach and the small intestine are probably two of the most important organs. Um, but really all of, you know, all of them are, they all serve a purpose. They all function together, but the small intestine is gathering all the nutrition. It's sucking everything it can out of the food we eat. That's why the food, why, what we eat is so important. Um, but you know, that's, it's, it's main value. That's also where we see a lot of, um, when things get out of balance and dysbiosis happening, it often is in the small intestine. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week's episode as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once we've kind of passed through the small intestine, we're moving into the large intestine. And again, it's this repeat sort of idea. The large intestine is trying to snag and grab any additional nutrition that it can. Um, you can think of this as like having like a bank account <laughs> where it's just sucking everything up. Um, and also just to piggyback that food that we eat, it's why part of part of the why that it is so important that we are eating organic food. We are getting enough magnesium and minerals. Um, our soil is depleted. 
um, radically um, due to um, more commercialized farming and poor farming practices. Um, so that just adds in the mix. Um, and also just a great reminder that we are made of microbes. We are uh, microbial beings. We carry over three pounds of bacteria in and on us. That bacteria is um, valuable. Um, I was telling my students last night, there is no amount of hand sanitizer in the world that you could dump all over everything and get rid of all the bacteria. We, we need our microbial friends yeah, and they are our friends. And so, um, you know, the large intestine is just, again, sucking up anything it can. And then the large intestine is also taking in any hydration and liquids and, you know, again, trying to keep things really nice and juicy and getting them ready for moving into the colon. And then ideally you're having a good bowel movement. That's right. It has to, it has to exit. What's what must, what goes in must come out and, but it, it needs, we need what comes in to have some time and the you know, time being absorbed. I mean, it's food in our culture is it's connected to so many things is it is connected to ritual is connected to our emotions. It's connected to, you know, a, a symbolism of love it's for some people. It's just, um, like an evil demon that they're trying to constantly run away from for some people. It is also um, just like, okay, well I have to, I have to survive. So therefore I have to eat. It's just something that they have to check off their list. But for others, it's something that we want to explore and, and constantly be, be be thinking of. And for a lot of us, we kind of forget that without it, um, and without a nice balance and a, the rainbow of foods, quote unquote, um, we aren't covering all of the nutrients that our body needs to to function at its highest level. And and so and then just like a car, you know, you want to make sure that like like your belts are are are, go- are are in good working order, that you've got a nice you know oil filter that's like moving through the impurities. And so our our digestive system is at the center of all of that functioning. Um, if you were to look at the, our body as a car, um, and it is, it is filtering, it is absorbing, um, and it is really helping us keep our, our bodies full of energy and, um, and disease free. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, and I would encourage you, honestly, if you haven't, you know, and since you were in you know high school, had a chance to go look at a picture of your digestive tract and you, you, the, an easy Google can bring you up so many images to help you figure out um, and have these conversations. And one of the things I think it's important, especially if you're in the position and peeling back your onion to be seeing specialists, to be seeing doctors um, and who specialize in, in areas of the digestive tract, whether it's from your mouth all the way to your rectum, you know, having some anatomy and physiology in your back pocket when you walk into those offices is really helpful. Um, It helps you feel empowered and understanding what all these parts do. So you don't feel like you're being talked over and food is medicine, which is, uh, you know, I had a client come to me this week and they actually went to see a GI specialist and they came back and they're like, when I brought up food, they said, food has nothing to do with it, mm. you know? Mm. So be your best right. advocate. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. So yeah, I, I don't want to go on a, a, um, on a rampage about 
food has nothing to do with it. But in, in the meantime, <laughs> we eat will- real food, eat mostly plants, some good animal proteins, some nuts and seeds. Michael Pollan's full uh, book, Food Rules, yes. I think is a great, um, great place to start if you're questioning your food. That's right. No, no. In fact, he's, he, it, that's spot on and it's a quick read. Um, so let's talk about good eating hygiene. Um, and we're going to roll into in defining what hygiene and eating hygiene means. I, that is such a weird phrase. If you're not in it this world, is. <laughs> however, however, yeah. if we think about it, we have hygiene, the things that we should be doing every day right? We all know that probably most days, maybe not every day, because you know, the microbiome, but most days <laughs> you're probably taking a shower or at least, you know, cleaning your pits and your tchotchke, you know, or like you're brushing your teeth <laughs> once or twice a day, right? Like there are some basics of life that yep. we know are hygiene related, but eating hygiene, while it sounds wacky <laughs> in its own right, yeah. um, is exactly that. And that is that mindfulness of taking care of oneself is how I like to explain it. Right. Taking that time to sit down and eat a meal. Yeah. Not eating on the run. Right. So actually let's, let's talk about that. And, And this is in the context of eating hygiene. So let's wind back history very long time ago to when humans were first roaming the planet. And we were worried about a few, th- lots of things. I'm sure I, I, I wasn't around at- <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, um, at that time, but I wanted, you know, I want to make it clear that life was a little simpler for these early humans and, but also extremely complicated. <laughs> so let's talk about the fact that our focal point, like, like most mammals and, and, and animals on the planet is to think about reproduction and, and the importance of continuing the species. And like it, it, in order for us to reproduce and to make babies, we need to be healthy and have enough food and, and resources and calories to be able to do that. So a lot of life was, was consumed with trying to find food and hunt food and forage food and then, and then prepare that food. And then they also, we also need shelter, right? So make, make you, whether you were a, a nomadic tribe or you were, you stayed put, you had to make sure that you were maintaining and finding shelter. And then also to make sure like you didn't just die from some sort of weather event, some sort of animal, some other, you know, threatening, um, element in your surroundings. And so, you know, in, let's fast forward to 2022 and here we are and we've we we've got all these gadgets and pressures and multiple things coming at us and from our early human you know life um the saber-toothed tiger was one of our major you know that there's always the phrase of like running from the saber-toothed tiger. Well, yeah. So the saber-toothed tiger, let's just see the saber-toothed tiger as our biggest threat to our, our life. And now a bus barreling down at you going, you know, 50 miles an hour, that feels pretty life-threatening. So does, you know, your boss coming at you and attacking you. So does, you know, troubles and challenges that your kid is having at school. So does, you know, all the multiple layers of things that are, are going on in our lives. And that is all called stress. And so the 
eating hygiene is all about managing stress. If our body thinks it's under stress and duress, if we are literally walking down the street, eating lunch, driving in our car, scarfing down a sandwich, if we are multitasking and plugging food down our throat, our body doesn't get the signal that, hey, this is a good time to digest my body. The body feels rested. It's calm. It's, it's okay to absorb nutrients. And what we find over time is that if we're eating while stress or eating while moving and not having a calm and focused um, effort to eating a meal, um, and this also includes, let's be honest, like watching, uh, you know, passive eating c- can also be part of yeah. that. Watching but TV, being watching on our TV. phones. Exactly. So anyway, so the, we, 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 yes, we want to make sure that while we're eating, we're just certainly paying attention to um, feeling calm in our bodies, feeling centered um, in, in our focus, and also allowing ourselves the time to chew. Um, and so chewing <laughs> as annoying as it might be to many of you out there is uh, going back to the very beginnings of how digestion starts is one of the focal points of eating hygiene. Um, and some of you like, like myself might want to like punch somebody for saying mindful eating, let's have some mindful eating, close our eyes, envision the morsel in your mouth. It's like, please stop talking to me right now. <laughs> Do not tell me. <laughs> to close my eyes and envision anything in my mouth. I want to punch you, but that is also the importance of it is truly is to find a way to tell our body, Hey, it's, it's, it's rest and digest time. It's time for us to absorb our nutrients. I'm going to add to that though, because Mm -hmm. something that I think I've learned over the years and something I always try to pass on to my own clients is okay you know, we live in this sort of convenience culture, convenience food, convenience world, right? Everything's about fast, fast, fast. Mm -hmm. But even if it's not having this, you know, woo woo mindfulness moment (laughs) per se, just the simple act of just sitting down and just having gratitude for a meal, Mm -hmm. um, whether that is you or somebody who believes in prayer or you just have gratitude or take a moment to just be grateful for farmers, grocery mm-hmm. store workers, um, right. the food that is on your plate, whatever it is, there is something to the practice of just taking 30 seconds, <laughs> mm-hmm. a minute for yourself to take in that meal. Um, and no matter what that meal is, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something about that, that groundedness and it is our taking time to chew and, again, not being passive eaters, but also like, um, you know, just making that part of our self care, Mm -hmm. you know, I hear over and over and over again, um, from, you know, whether it's clients or other friends, clients, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that like, I don't have time to cook. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to sit down and eat a meal. I have to deal with my kids. Like I make, a meal for myself. And then I make a meal for the rest of my family. You know, there's all these different dynamics that happen, but I think, you know, we make things really complicated 
mm-hmm. <laughs> also. Oh, yeah. um, and it's like, you know, it was funny. I was saying to somebody the other day, I go, you know, we are, m- my family, we're, we're very busy. We have mm-hmm. busy work schedules, busy lives. And as much as like, we love to cook, we actually enjoy the practice of cooking. I love cooking. Um, but mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Sometimes it's like dinner is some frozen cauliflower rice. Mm-hmm. and some leftover whatever or a mm-hmm. fried egg thrown mm-hmm. on top and it's like food does not have to be complicated no and we can make yeah these like sort of you know quicker uh, more cost effective um smart choices and it's like and yes like sometimes you order takeout or you know the other night it was like really getting a little late it was a really crazy day in our household uh, my partner and I were still working and it was like we had a grain-free Capello's frozen pizza in the mm-hmm. in the freezer, and mm-hmm. we threw some extra veggies and olives and some anchovies on top of it, and boom, dinner. But it's like you know, there's a big difference between a Capello's grain-free frozen pizza and <laughs> you know, like the ninety-nine cent ones that you find in the yeah. freezer aisle, right? Um, there's so many ways that we can. Um, our mindfulness, I think sometimes just comes in our shopping um, and just having those, having our kitchen kind of ready to go. Um, so when we're encountered with those moments, um, we're not flailing around um, and sort of lost in the sauce. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, in fact, that's a lot of what my work surrounds around, frankly, is either helping people think through the meal planning factors, right. Of understanding not only how to cook, but also how to stock a pantry. And, you know, we don't think about that in terms of eating hygiene. I think your point is completely spot on. I, in fact, I don't think I really thought about that until you brought it up. Cheryl is the connection between eating hygiene and actually stocking a pantry. It's makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, one of the, one of the things I also do is a meal delivery here in, in Hotlanta. And, you know, the, the point of that is simply, you know, to help people take the stress out of that time of day and what, and not that not everybody can afford a meal delivery of prepared yeah. foods or a private chef. That's, that is definitely not, not everybody's reality, but what you and I are talking about right now is just thinking ahead, putting a little thought about what dinner is going to be so that the stress and the run and the, and the flying by the, by the seat of your pants doesn't show up with you scarfing down some random, you know, cold piece of pizza for dinner or a bowl of cereal, which, Hey, I mean, I've done a million times, but, (laughs) um, but it it also catches up with you. So that's all we're saying is that like, you know, where you and I are coming from, right? Cheryl is this place of like, when our bodies don't feel good, we have to figure out why and what, what is triggering any dysfunction and, um, in disease. And this conversation that we're having right now is just to remind us all that, Hey, it is the little things that add up to the big things. So absolutely. And also it's prevention. You don't sure. want to wait until you're in a place of dis-ease or disease yeah. to do something about it, right? And right. I think, you know, that's one uh, personal, I'm going to say a personal pet peeve, which mm-hmm. is just the lack of conversation of like, well, how can we also be um, preventative? And also with food, like work smarter, not harder mm-hmm. is um, can Amen. take you a long way, right? Amen, sister. I know. Food, food just needs to be simple and... Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Agreed. So a couple great sauces, a little coconut aminos in your fridge, a little hot sauce. You'll be okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Not only that, just never underestimate the power of, of, of a pat of butter. Um, you know, some salt. salt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and just like it in very easily, um, putting together a mix of something that might have been like prepared or produced by the grocery store that you're buying it from with something that's fresh. I can't tell you how many times I do that all the time. I'm like mixing up something that is like a prepared food, quote unquote, um, you know, so and then mixing that in with like a fresh batch of vegetables or a freshly made pot of rice or, you know, so, you know, yes, I keep chicken sausages um, you know, I, they are nitrate free and gluten-free in our house, right. but I keep them on hand because man, that is a quick <laughs> solution. Just, yes. just as, just as quick as frying an egg, you know? So, yep. um, pull your, your meat out of the freezer the night before. That's also. right. Good. That's great. Right. I know. And, and one day we'll actually have an episode where we'll, we'll help you sort of think through, you know, how many days do I, ha- does the chicken last raw in my fridge. How many days does a chicken last cooked in my fridge? So we're going to help you. We're here to help you with all of those things. But, but today we're, we're also diving into like the core and the root of some of our discomfort and great segue, right? Oh, one of my favorite topics. Can I do it? Can I do it? Please go. Constipation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yo, like real talk, people are plugged up. Yes. All right. For real. We're going to, we're going to go there. Um, you know, we should be having between one to three bowel movements per day. Those bowel movements should be, Oh, get ready. The length of your forearm. Wow. What? Whoa. Say it again. That's right. (laughs) And also (laughs) your bowel movements should be ideally you one form piece or a couple form pieces, um, sort of a toothpaste consistency. Um, I like to explain it. The intestines is like a giant slip and slide. If you take mm. good care of it, it will take good care of you. Mm. It will give you the fun ride. We all know what I mean. That amazing bowel movement when you get it and you're like, that was the perfect poo. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, but constipation is-, is real. And when mm-hmm. you know, I I see clients all the time who this is a real factor. Um, I had a great story segue, um, which is my father-in-law. He is on a, was on a bunch of medications and about a year ago or so, and and he's like, Cheryl, I only poop once a week no. in my horror. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because also bowel movements is part of our detoxification. We need to sweat. We need to be urinating and we need to also be relieving our bowels consistently. Mm -hmm. That's how we detoxify the body. So if your pooper isn't working, Mm -mm. right, things aren't coming out. You're straining. Things are sluggish. You're not detoxifying your body, but he came to me and I was like, okay. And they'd had him all Miralax and all these drugs um, to help him have bowel movements, which wasn't working. And I was like, give me two days. And he was like, okay. So I started him on what I call the poop cocktail, which Mm -hmm. is um, if you take chia seed, flax seed and psyllium husk. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to grind them in a coffee grinder and um, put a scoop, a tablespoon of that in your water with a little pinch of sea salt. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I like to add a little lemon juice to it, um, which is also a great episode um, uh, we did a while back with Dr. Dana Cohen talks about hydration. And we mentioned this again in that episode, I believe. Um, but, you know, and some Senna tea, um, wow. you know, some little yeah. vitamin C if you need it. And he came down two days later mm-hmm. and he comes downstairs and um, also magnesium, our mm-hmm. best friend for all yes. the things. Yep. Um, comes down two days later, walks over to his drawer, pulls out all the Miralax. And he's like, do you see this? Do you see it? And I'm like, oh yeah, I see that crap. <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's going in the garbage. And he's had amazing daily bowel movements pretty much ever since. And when we see them, they he comes in and he hands me his lab work <laughs> from the doctor. And he says, I still poop every day. <laughs> And I'm like, I love this. Like for a 79 year old man, who has always been constipated. He's, he's catching on, he's catching yeah, on, but man, we need yeah. to be um, moving our, moving our bowels for sure. Yeah, man. You know what? And we don't, we don't talk about this stuff. I mean, you know what? It's, it's, it's unfortunate, right? It's like, it really is. It is really not a frontier that most people talk about. It's, it's even uncomfortable for doctors. I mean, I've seen it happen in like, oh, in, my, like in my own visits, they're uncomfortable. I mean, you know, I, every, I feel like, you know, for us ladies, like, I even feel like the gynecologist needs to be having this, this conversation with us because, you know, one of the most important things, especially for women, for having a really good bowel movement, speaking of waste, is just getting rid of extra hormones that we don't need. And for all of us who are struggling and myself included with, you know, crazy hormone fluctuations, it it is, um, it's important. The first place that I go to, to help myself regulate that is, is sleep. Then the second one is poop. And so no doubt, hands down, Will yeah. will my cycles feel better? Will I feel better? Will I yeah. feel less bloated? I mean, come on, yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, we should do a future episode on sleep because it is such a pivotal, um, just pivotal, pivotal thing, and people really struggle with it. Um, me included. I mean, let's just, I'm, yeah, I know it's, yes, it's a weird, world, wacky world for you. I know. I, see, I'm the opposite, girlfriend. I could sleep eight nine hours a night, ten o'clock, falling asleep. Like put me in front of a TV show. I can't even make it through. Like it's it's over. I know. Well, well, I I admire it. And when we get to that sleep episode, you have, I know you have so many um, tips and tricks and, and quite frankly, I will, I will say speaking, going back to the topic at hand, which is digestion and constipation. um, The more I screw around with how much sleep I get or how little sleep I get, um, the more I notice like how dysregulated things are. And quite frankly, it goes back to that, that our, you know, our eating hygiene tip, which is like, if we're under stress, you know, everything is going to feel restricted. I mean, from a Chinese, if you believe in Chinese medicine or not, there's a great view on constipation, which is that it is it's stagnation, right? So yep. if, if, if in Chinese medicine, right, your acupuncturist or, or, or acupressurist's entire goal is, is to get chi and energy moving, constipation is, you know, is the great stagnator. And you think about it, it, um, it can be a stagnation or a holding of so much, right? I mean, our yeah. world has been so freaking crazy for the last, I mean, I don't know, just 
hit me back a few years. Girl, we're um, going on year three of this. Year three. Year three. <laughs> I mean, there's been a there's been a lot going on before that. Let's just be honest. So we're um we're all stressed. And when I think about the friends of mine who have made the confession to me that they're ritually constipated. Um, these are my dear friends who tend to just hold on to their emotions. They tend to restrict themselves from actually verbalizing what they need from feeling um, freedom to just sort of to relax their modality of, of, you know, when, when we say like we carry all of our stress in our shoulders, a lot of these friends who are constantly constipated or, or emotionally restricted in, in their mm-hmm. guts, they're holding all that stress there. Yeah. So I just want to say that like constipation is, is yes, is about, you know, emotional fortitude and how we're feeling. Yeah. Um, it's related to stress. It is, but it's also, re- and not a, but, and it's also related to, right. To what we're eating. Yep. So not moving our bodies enough, right. To not being hydrated enough. Yep. Right. And, you know, the, I've finally come to realize that the apple a day keeps a doctor away. Doesn't come necessarily out of like all of the great nutrition that comes out of an apple as much as like we, and we learned this in that super valuable hydration um, piece that we did in season one is about how hydrating an apple can be and how much fiber there, there is, it goes through our gut. And if all that fiber and hydration hits our bowels, we're going to have regular, and, and we eat an apple on the daily. That's one way to help ourselves have are one way to like symbolize of how important it is, like what we eat and how, how much we drink helps yeah. the poop move. Um, eat so, real food. Eat yeah, real food. We got to eat real food guys. It's part of it. And so um, is there anything else that like, I know we, we there's just so much about constipation that we could talk about. We're, we're going to hit on, let's be clear that this is episode one or I guess, you know, chapter one, maybe we'll do a whole episode on constipation down the road. Yeah. But I will also say like, stay keeping a bookmark to the, to the digestion. Um, Part two is going to be a little bit of a deeper dive into how our other organs that play a part in our digestion and the microbiome all interact to help things flow. Like that flow. Um, yes. Is flow is good. So we also have people have flow going the opposite direction. Okay. Yeah. So let's actually right. dive into acid reflux. And um there's a fire. lot. Yeah. <laughs> fire. I call it the, the diagnosis of fire. <laughs> oh, I know. It sucks. it sucks. It sucks, you know, and it's one of those things that like it takes the joy out of food. It takes the joy out of eating. Yeah. It, it takes rest. Like I know so many patients, not patients, sorry, but so many clients of mine who have really struggled with sleep in relationship to acid reflux. So not only are you disturbed in your waking hours, you're disturbed while you're trying to get some rest. Yeah. Um, so I know, so Cheryl, I'm going to, and ask you, cause I know you work with you, you, you currently also have a lot of clients right now who are struggling with acid reflux. Um, and 
can you give us the like, you know, the quick gems. and dirty, mm-hmm. the, the deep and dirty. Ooh, I like that better than gems. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I like both deep and dirty gems. There we go. Uh, yes. Deep and dirty gems. Um, so I think, you know, when we think about acid reflux, I think the number one thing that really comes up is that we often think that acid reflux means too much acid. Mm-hmm. Um, when actually the majority of the time, not always, because everybody is unique and every situation is unique. Again, we do not do one size fits all medicine um, or body support um, over here. Um, but that oftentimes it's not enough stomach acid. Um, again, the stomach is intended to be acidic. It is purposeful. Uh, we lose um, a bit of our acid as we age. Um, PPIs, SRIs, all these, you know, drugs and medications, um, you know, antibiotics, all kinds of stuff um, lowers our stomach acid over time. There are lots of reasons why it can be low. Um, but with acid reflux, it's often not enough stomach acid and also food intolerances. Things that you may not have an anaphylactic reaction, you know, if you have peanuts Mm -hmm. and you swell up into a big bubble gum, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but really things that we are reactive to and we may or may not realize we are reactive to them. And that is a common, common thing um, that we see um, in um, functional medicine and, you know, so forth. Um, so those are two of the, the big things I just want to make of note along with stress. Um, mm-hmm. but stress looks lots of different ways. I think we always think about emotional stress, mm-hmm. but stress can be physical stress. Um, mm-hmm. it can be not enough sleep, which is causing stress on the body. It can be, I'm eating gluten all the time and I'm intolerant. Maybe I don't know. And that is putting stress on the body. We have to reframe how we think about stress Mm -hmm. and the body is intended to go through small little periodic pieces of stress. So let's say I go and I run a bunch of sprints Mm -hmm. and I feel like exhausted. That short period of stress is good. It's called hormesis. Mm-hmm. And so hormesis is good, but when our body is under these constant stresses and threats, it reacts. And acid reflux is one of those things that we can see stem up um, in that process. Yeah, it's true. And and what I was going to say in relationship to medication and making some choices around mitigating acid reflux um, with medication is that it's a, it's a tricky balance um, when you if you were, if you have a functional medicine practitioner in your life or a nutritionist in your life who has this viewpoint, they, they may share this, this, this view that a PPI is the, is the devil that you're not going to ever get off of it. That it's one of these things that is impossible to reverse. A PPI is, is meant to sort of harness stomach acid. And the end result is that that harnessing and and that dampening of stomach acid, um, gives you this very kind of, and some people almost lifelong presence of um, the inability to, to digest their food properly, um, which, which creates, I mean, you know, honestly, we have gone through the, the anatomy and physiology of digestion, starting at the mouth and ending at the rectum. Well, it's just like a river going downstream, right? So if we're, if we're not, able to process things correctly in the stomach, we're going to end up with a lot of dysbiosis in the gut. Yes. Um, so 
there's, it's important to address it, the acid reflux. Yeah. Um, but we also, you know, you and I, before we got on, we're, we're talking about the viewpoint of medication through the lens of triage. Yeah. And, you know, we all have, you and I both as practitioners have seen clients where in order for there to be some sem- semblance of normalcy and for them just to feel good and survive and to address all the, all, all, all the other things, medication yeah. is necessary. Um, Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, the greatest medicine of all is teaching people to not need it. <laughs> right. However, Sometimes, exactly. Sometimes those medications can be triage. Sometimes they can, you know, acid reflux. Like if your throat is on fire because you're really getting burned in that lining Mm -hmm. and your esophagus is really sensitive, right? You need relief. And so exactly with what you're saying, which is sometimes it's, you're using those, you know, PPIs, um, to sort of support, while we're working through other areas, dealing with the food intolerances or other hidden things that could be causing the acid reflux. And there's a lot of amazing herbal Mm -hmm. remedies um, from slippery elm bark to aloe, um, things that we can be doing. I, you know, have a client right now where I'm like, we're using slippery elm bark lozenges and slippery elm bark teas. And we're using mucilaginous foods, okra Mm -hmm. and bone broth and Mm -hmm. things that are, you know, bringing a little bit of support to that lining aloe, things that are cooling, um, and can, you know, help to sort of support, um, the lining as we sort of work through it. And I feel hopeful that, you know, we can hopefully get her off the meds over some time Mm -hmm. and, and so forth. Yeah. In the meantime, though, like you're saying, you're, the tissue in her throat and her esophagus has, has been damaged. And so it's sort of like a stage process. You know, we, yep. we, we want to make sure that like, you know, we're healing parts of the body that, that, that have been injured um, and allowing the body to heal in that way is, is only going to make, yeah. you know, getting to the root of the issue possible. So yeah. Absolutely. We, yeah. So, we, so, so we want to just flag too that like, maybe you think that like taking a Tums after every meal is normal. Um, that like the only way for you to avoid diet, you know, having anything, you know, come back up into your throat or for you to have issues at night and indigestion at night is for you to not eat after a certain hour. Um, if that is true for you, there is something also that needs to be addressed sort of downstream in your digestive path. Um, and so this is, these are again, like in the spirit of peeling back the onion, you know, as a reminder, Cheryl and I are here to help you think through um, your own red flags and think through symptoms that, that are keep popping up um, and then ways that maybe you've been compensating and coping over all of these years to sort of address something that mm-hmm. showed up, you know, in your twenties when you were, gargling down, you know, beer and fried food at whatever hour and mitigating that with Tums. And that, that is just now part of your, of, uh, of your regimen. Well, that isn't that that's not going to be helpful to supporting your digestion and your health in the long haul. Um, and that might be showing up as something that you have to unravel. Um, so anyway, this is just all to say like, you know, um, constipation happens acid reflux happens. Um, actually had it. And 
these are all really good signals that, you know, it's time to pause and think about what might be going on deeper in the body and what what changes that we can make um, to our eating hygiene. Um, (laughs) Look, it's a good principle. Take care of your gut. Your gut will take good care of you. That's right. That's right. I know. Yeah. So Anyway, guys, thank you for hanging with us this throughout this episode. We we get excited about things, and <laughs> as you can tell, we, we will go down rabbit holes. But we hope that you're that you're tracking our rabbit holes, that you're that you're thinking about your own symptoms right now, um, thinking about red flags that are popping up, ways that you can have new conversations with your health practitioners about these symptoms. Um, And maybe just thinking about maybe, you know, gathering the family around the table to have a meal without any gadgets, without any TV, without any distractions. Um, And so we want you guys to to stay tuned for our part two. Um, We're going to talk deeper about gut dysbiosis. It's a big word, but just means dysfunction. Um, And we're going to dive into how the liver and the gallbladder and the pancreas have have a role. Um, And we're also going to dive into things like candida and parasites and hidden infections and the roles that, that, that medications and, and antibiotics also, you know, have on, um, on our digestion. And so anywho, (laughs) in the meantime, we will be back (laughs) and stay tuned. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. Keep peeling the onion. You have just finished another episode of Peeling the Onion podcast. Music is by Greg DeJazoo. You can also stay in touch with us over Instagram at Peeling the Onion Podcast and on our website at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. We would love to receive your feedback on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Peeling back the onion.